Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let's read Psalm chapter number one, beginning in verse number one. Let's read together. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the river of waters, and bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning, we're grateful for uh, your word in its entirety. We're grateful for this uh, passage of scripture that we have just been able to read. We ask, like physical food, that you'd bless it to our hearts, to our spiritual hearts. And as we have uh, come into this place as your church uh, to begin this year, we really just ask that you quiet our hearts and that you'd speak to us and that you would guide us that you give us your perspective about life and really our steps forward. I pray that eternal, um, eternal decisions would be made in here. One, if, no, if anyone does not know you, I pray that they accept you today. But Lord, I pray that we as your people, those that have called upon you by faith, receive the free gift of salvation. Lord, would you renew our determination to have a daily relationship with you in your word. Lord, that it wouldn't just be a checklist. We don't need checklists. Lord, checklists don't last through difficult times. Lord, we, we need a, a heart-level delight in your word. We're asking that you would help us to, to make decisions, set priorities, goals that would help us to make that a reality in each of our lives. Lord, this church that you have established will only be as strong as we are individually. So Lord, I pray that each member, that you would, you would help us to resolve to have a relationship with you and your word that is, is far greater, far more precious than it was in the past year. Lord, all of us can take steps, and so we're asking you to help us take steps. You pity us as children, so, Lord, you know that in our hearts we struggle. No doubt there's some depression, some regret, some guilt, some feelings of worthlessness. Lord, some feelings of inadequacy that stand in our hearts this morning telling us that there's no use. Lord, I pray that you triumph over every thought that exalts itself against you. 
and that you'd be glorified in our hearts and that we would be truly followers of your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. You know, sometimes life seems to be complicated, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to difficult decisions. Which way do I go? What job do I take? Where do I live? How do I raise my family? Who do I marry? What do I give myself to? What do I, what do I pursue after? So many decisions in life. And it seems that there's many decisions, big and little, that can radically uh, adjust the course of our life. A decision that small today might have a radical impact you know, five years from now. One of the one of the important things for a pastor and for a, a, a leader in your home, dads, is to be able to look down the way and to see where a decision might lead two, three years from now. But these decisions that big and little that come up that we have to make, sometimes it can seem so complex. It's like, where do I get the, the counsel? Where do I get the knowledge? I was reading in Scripture this morning in Proverbs 1 and verse number 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It says it in another place, the beginning of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is the right application of knowledge. It's taking what I know to be true from God's word and applying it in my life in a, in a right way. So sometimes it seems like, man, it's so complex. Where do I get my information? Where do I get my counsel? And sometimes Satan loves to keep us right in the middle of a decision and keep us in a limbo, keep us in, you know, kind of halfway in between in paralysis what do, uh, decision do I make? But the reality is, in that moment, there are two voices that, that, are, that are going to be speaking to us. There are two calls that we'll be constantly hearing. The world says, listen, we need, you, need to, you need to listen to us. You need to listen to the experience. And oftentimes in the decisions that we make, they're pushing their news anchors as, as some sort of uh, experienced gurus that you know, they, they know they'll be able to tell you, tell you the way. The, the scholars of the world, certainly, they'll be able to give you some advice and some input. In the last year, we've seen an incredible rise. And I, 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 I should say this and preface this, God created science. And I'm grateful for that. But we have, seen, we have seen science be elevated in such a way above God in, in, in a very unique way that, that science is becoming like a God. And I'm not, I'm not talking about true science. I'm talking about uh, a lot of times man's, man's opinion that has, been, that has been dubbed as science. I'm not slashing um, true science, which is something we receive by observation. We observe what God has created. And that's a beautiful thing, right? And we should, not, we should not pit them against each other. God and science are, are, are together. Our world has done the pitting. But oftentimes we hear that, by all means, don't disregard the science. And your decisions that you make, by all means, don't disregard that. It's interesting how the world, and even as we go back through Scripture, we find that many times we're, uh, those that made poor choices were advised to, to seek out the counsel of their friends over over God's word or seek out the, the counsel of the younger generation. Remember, you remember Rehoboam? Remember him? He went to the old men, the, the men that ruled with his father Solomon and, and said, hey, what do you think I should do? How do you think I should reign? And, and they said, hey, you ought to lighten up. 
Solomon really put a big burden, your father put a big burden on them, you ought to lighten up. He goes, well, I'm going to go over to the young men, his peers, and he says, hey, what do you think I ought to do? You ought to go out and tell them that your, uh, your, uh, your pinky is going to be as big, you know, your, your father's pinky is going to be like your, uh, your thigh. I'm going to increase everything your father put on as a burden on the people, and I'm just going to increase it. Um, my, my father's whips, uh, they were whips, but mine are going to be like scorpions. I'm going to really, I'm going to really chase after you. Well, who's, who thinks that sounds like a great idea? What a, what a great inauguration speech, right? I mean, this isn't, this isn't going to be good at all. And, and that was worldly wisdom. That was a, 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 a devilish piece of advice to go to them and take their input over the, the input of the experience. So oftentimes our world says the older generation to the younger generation, the older generation doesn't get you. So don't go to them for counsel. And so there's so much complexity when it comes to the decisions, except that there's a clarifying voice that comes through, and God, throughout all of time, throughout all of his revelation, his specific revelation of the Bible, throughout all of Scripture, has been calling people to listen to his still small voice. A still small voice that if we listen to, he will assure us that he will be Psalm 46 and verse number 10, exalted among the heathen, that he will always, he will always triumph over all the voices that are out there if you listen. God specifically revealed his word, giving mankind all that is needed for every decision of life and for godly living. Every decision. Now whether we accept that and apply that is another thing. But those who do accept that and apply that will find that they will have success. That they will be blessed. Not necessarily in the the worldly sense of blessing. How many times have you had someone, a lost individual, a person that's not a believer, come up to you and express, hey, why are you happy? Why do you have peace? Friends, sometimes we miss that that is a blessing that only God can give. And the world sees it and notes it and says, why do you have that? How can I have that? How did you get that? By following the word of God. By gladly receiving the word, which is able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, those that refuse the word of God, the Bible very clearly says that their end is ruin, total ruin. It, 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 separation from God in a place called hell. That's a very terrifying thing, but that's, that's the path of rejection. So, in reality, in the decisions that we have in life, there's, there's two voices. The world that's saying, hey, listen to us and listen to our experience and listen to what our scholars, listen to what we have to say. And God's saying, hey, I want to cut through all that with a still, small voice. I want to speak right to your heart and say, this is the path. This is the way to go. And if you go this way, there'll be peace, there'll be blessing, there will be contentment, there'll be joy. I was reading in, uh, in the book of Psalms as well. In my presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. The world says, you can have joy if you listen to us. God says, no, 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 listen to my still, small voice. I'll cut right through that. What a blessing. But the fact is, we have to put that into practice. And we stand at the threshold of this year, and we look forward to all that God is going to do. It's really going to come down to whose voice we listen to. Listen, just because someone is a believer does not mean that they cannot, cannot propose or declare worldly wisdom. Be careful who you listen to. Ultimately, it comes down, are we going to listen to the still, small voice of God through his word? Are we going to delight in that? We read here Psalm chapter number one. Blessed is the man 
Blessed is a man, excuse me, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a blessed man. Do you want to be a blessed man? Now, all right, do you want to be a blessed woman? All right, there's the ladies, okay. Uh, a little tricky there. Uh, so we want to be blessed. Now, notice this, this blessing. And I want us to realize the, the blessed man's choice. This blessing is the psalmist's perspective on a, on a man who has chosen to follow after God's word, to delight in God's word. There's two words for blessing oftentimes, uh, the blessing of God upon a person and the blessing that we observe upon a person. Here the psalmist is observing the blessing upon a person who delights in God's word, who shuts off the voices of the world, who sets that aside and says, I'm gonna follow God's path no matter how unpopular it is, no matter how many friends I lose over it, I'm gonna follow God's path. And the psalmist is observing, that's a blessed person. I see the blessing in their life. Now, friends, when we choose to follow after God, it's not only that we are going to be blessed of God, but we'll also have a testimony of being blessed. It's pretty amazing. Now, that takes daily, daily activity. It takes, it's an important thing. It takes daily activity. He refuses. Thank you very much for that. I don't know what's going on in the, in the throat, but it's just, it's a little dry. I appreciate that very much. The blessed man's choice. Notice, he first of all, in verse number one, he refuses the world. He refuses the world. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. His ear isn't tuned into them. He's not tuned into their podcasts. He's not going to the self-help section in the bookstore and, and, and getting their books. He's not tuned in there. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I'll just peruse this aisle and see what it's all about. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of scornful. I want you to see this progression here because it really is just that, a progression. Walking in it, hey, I'm going to just check it out. I'm curious. I'm curious. Now, sometimes this happens with young people. They've grown up in church. You know, I'm just curious. Is there something on the other side of the fence? Is there something out there that I've been missing? Is there something beyond God's word that will help me have a happy happy life. We're checking it out. We're walking along. We're perusing their stuff. We're listening to their commentators. We're, we're giving ear to them. We're checking it out. I'm curious. Have you ever heard the, the quote, curiosity? Yeah? Listen, many people who are just walking along, checking it out, have brought on ruin in their lives. Does the creator not know? Is the creator not enough? Is his revelation not enough? Do we, can we not accept it as being sufficient for our lives? We stand there as we walk. Here's the, here's the downward progression here. We stand there and we, we begin to consider it. Well, maybe they have a point. Maybe, maybe what the serpent said, half God said, I think, I think he has a point. Is this really true? Can I really believe the Bible? Can I really trust God's word? And he begins to consider it and give it, give it some space in his mind. And then it goes on. He gets comfortable with it when he sits down and says, you know what? It isn't as bad as, it isn't as, bad as the preacher said. It isn't as bad as the, my father said. It isn't as bad as my mom warned. My grandmother, she really didn't know what was going on. She's, she's old and out of date and out of, out of tune with life. It isn't really as bad. This is, this is pretty okay. 
And before you know it, they aren't walking into church with the rest of the godly in the congregation of the righteous. They're spending more and more time in the counsel of the ungodly. Friends, the blessed man doesn't go that way. The blessed man refuses this path. The blessed man stays away from it. The blessed man doesn't think, you know, I'm going to just take a little bit of a break and I'm going to go sow my wild oats. I'm going to find myself. Listen, if that's been you in your life before, you can testify that it doesn't work. And friends, if that has been, if you have a period of your time where you walked in the counsel of the ungodly, you stood there, you sat down there, you should be the loudest voice in this congregation saying, don't go that way. Sometimes what Satan does to you, maybe have that experience, say, you need to be quiet. Because you messed up. You went that way. You don't have anything to say. No, I declare to you, you need to be the loudest voice saying, don't go that way. You need to be the one holding the wrong way red sign to the younger generation saying, don't go that way. Don't go that way. I did it and I tried it and it doesn't work. God's word is right. I encourage you in that way. In 2023, may there be an older generation that says, you know what? It isn't worth it. Now, saying every older person in this room has uh, sown their wild oats and so on. But if you have, God has a plan for you. God has a use for your voice right here in this congregation. And now, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away, Proverbs 4.15 says. I remember listening to that verse in, in Bible stories growing up. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. doesn't mean to die. It means to, to let it go. When you see that billboard, when you see that ad, when you see that website, let it go. Don't go there. Don't, don't walk down that aisle. Don't go there. Don't stand there and consider it. Don't sit down with it. Don't get comfortable with it. Get away from it. As Joseph fled from Potiphar's wife, flee. Flee. You don't have to experience the world to know that it will bring about your ruin. And Satan says to the younger generation, and sometimes to those who are struggling in their spiritual walk, just, just go out and try it. See if it really makes you happy. Did God really say? Did God really say it'd bring about your death? By the way, be so very careful. When you start listening to the, uh, Satan's voice or the world's temptations, it will change the way you view Scripture because Eve said in, in Genesis chapter 3, in response to the temptation, has God really said this? She adds in, and God told us not even to touch it or we'd die. Begins to elaborate on what God actually said. Shifted a little bit. No, God said, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. We don't have to go out and experience it. Paul said in Romans 16, verse 19, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. From time to time, I hear people saying, well, pastor, you've never, you've never been on drugs or you've never been drunk, so you can't help a person that is experiencing that. That is, that is devilish counsel. It goes against all of Scripture. Now, 
The fact is, God can use what you've experienced in your life for His glory. And to them that love Him, He can, he can take what was very bad and use it for his, uh, his good and glory and your good. God is able to do that. But we do not have to experience the world and all the pitfalls of it and all the destruction of it and all their counsel and, and the end of their counsel to know, hey, it's going to hurt. I can look at a hot stove and I don't have to touch it in order to know that it hurts. To know that it's going to leave a burn. And to know that I need to tell others not to touch it. Friends, we got to refuse the world in 2023. And it really comes down to not listening to their counsel. May I just reiterate, the conservative movement is not necessarily synonymous with Christianity. There's a lot of conservatives that are shifting, shifting right now, and we'll probably see more in the next year. Be careful of who you listen to. Be careful whose who's counseling couch you're sitting down at. And may I also just add right there, the matter of, of, of counseling. Be very careful who you sit under. Well, they're professional trained. Yes, are they going to give you biblical counseling? And, and to that note, if you find yourself in a need for biblical counseling, I have a, a person here in town. We also last year had Brother Ron Visser with Precious Stones Counseling. But I have a person here in town that I've sat down with. I've vetted their counseling path. And I will recommend to you a good counselor. You can go trained biblical counselor. Be careful who you're sitting under. Be careful. It matters. It matters a whole lot. And there are certainly times where there is a need for, for counsel, for, for specific, directed counsel. Don't be ashamed of that. But make sure you're getting good counsel from the Word of God. So he refuses the, wor he refuses the world. But I also want to just underscore before we move on, there are some times that we as Christians can refuse something and we can begin to delight in what we refuse. Delight in what we're against. Friends, the Christian life is not about what we're against, it's about who we're for. If you are for Jesus Christ, it makes all the difference in the world. Being for Jesus Christ means I'm going to have to refuse some things. I'm going to have to step away from some things. I'm going to have to leave some things behind. Don't be the type of Christian that's always trumpeting what you're against. Be about who you are for. If you are consumed with Christ and his word, it'll make a huge difference. Being, being a person that constantly trumpets what you're against, it's not going to be successful in the long run. Through hard times, just being known or standing on what you're against is going to help you through. You've got to be for Jesus Christ in his word. And notice what it says here in verse number two. Gets there. It's not just about being against the world, but it is about delighting in the word. Philip Brooks said this, the Bible is like a telescope. If a man looks through his telescope, he sees worlds beyond. But if he looks at his telescope as an object, he does not see anything but that. Just a telescope. The Bible is a thing to be looked through to see which is be, that which is beyond. But most people only look at it, and so they only see a dead letter. Friends, 2023 needs to be the year that you look through the lens of Scripture. 
that you look into Scripture, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He finds extreme satisfaction, extreme joy in it. Now, let me just say this. Not every day that we wake up do we jump out of bed, say, man, I feel great. And I'm going to go out and, and grab my cup of coffee and sit down. And Yeah, I feel great. The joy sometimes can just be a settled assurance, a, sh- a settled peace in your heart. This is good. This is good. I know it's going to help me. I know it's going to strengthen me for this day. Don't mix up joy with just simply a feeling. Joy is a reality, a settled assurance in your heart. This is, this is good. This is, this is what brings satisfaction. This is what brings pleasure in his presence forevermore. Psalm 16, verse number 11. He finds immense interest in it. He finds it to be relevant. He finds it to be his joy. He finds it to be his satisfaction. He wants the word of God. He craves it. Owning the word of God, which let's hold up our Bibles this morning, whether on a device or, or a, in print. Listen, just owning your Bible is not the same as delighting in your Bible. There's a lot of times that I'll find Christians that'll say, Pastor, it's in there somewhere. Let's challenge that this year. If you find yourself saying it's in there somewhere, find a quiet moment to get get alone and find where it is. Owning the Bible Delighting in it are two different things. We all own and we're very, very blessed. I have a feeling when we go down to Grenada later on on this month, the Lord willing, I have a feeling there's going to be some people who get their first Bibles and they're going to delight, not just in the owning of it, but opening it up and reading it. And how blessed they are to uh, to, um, be living right now and God be doing this great miracle in in their midst. And so we must delight in it and not just own it, One person said a Bible in hand is worth two in a bookcase. I got five Bibles at home. Okay. Do you have a Bible in your hand and open? Is it doing something in your heart? What you delight in, you'll think upon. That's what happens here. He delights in it, and so he meditates in it. He thinks about it. He murmurs. Mutters. Not in a bad way. He's just kind of in his mind and under his breath. He's just constantly thinking through the word of God. It's like Mary who pondered these things in her mind, right? She's casting it about. I wonder what that means for me. What does God want me to do with this? I've noticed this about God. I've never seen that before. That's really good. But if, if that's God's character, then I probably ought to respond in this way. Certainly ought to give him praise for that. And there's this back and forth going on in the mind about the truth of the word. He meditates in it. Uh, a man who is courting or dating a, dating a woman, especially a young man, dating a, a young woman, it, Job talks about who can know the way of a man with a, with a maid. Well, it's a very amazing thing. Why? Because his mind is constantly there and, and, and it's all about it. And, and so here we have this idea of meditating where your mind doesn't have to be forced to go there. It wants to be there. It, it delights in being there. It's not a checklist of something I have to do. Meditating is not a checklist that I have to do on a daily basis. Meditating 
is a consideration that my mind longs to get back to. In other words, as we go about our daily life, we've read, we've opened up, we've spent some time with God in the morning, we've opened it up, God's touched our heart with a specific truth or verse, we go on to our day, we get into our work, Mom, mom's going to work or at home or um, working with the kids, dad's uh, um, going to their jobs, and we go to, our, go to our time throughout the day, and as we're interrupted with the responsibilities we have, our mind constantly is go- going back. And where was I? What was I thinking about? Oh, that's, that's what God showed me this morning. And our mind constantly seeks to return to that truth and meditate upon it. You can meditate as you go throughout your day and it'll change your day. Constantly thinking upon it. Where was I? Where was I? I want to just get all that I can out of that truth that God has given me. Too many times the world has so intrigued us that we no longer delight and meditate in the Word of God. You've all heard moms, grandmoms say, don't eat that, you'll spoil your dinner. Right? Don't eat that, you'll spoil your dinner. What do we just do? Out here about 10 o'clock, we kind of messed up lunchtime, right? We delight in that over some greens, green beans and mashed potatoes and chicken. Now I'm going to get you hungry. We delight in the world. We get intrigued by it. It's constantly going. Just, it's always there. It's constantly speaking. I was thinking about 24-hour news. There, there's not enough news. No matter what time of day you're up, you can flip on news. It's constantly going. And yet so oftentimes that news or the scrolling or the, just the, the, the constant distraction gives us more intrigue than delighting in and meditating in the Word. What if the last thing that you did before going to bed was to, to go back to the Word, to think on the verse God showed you in the morning, and to go to bed with that on the mind? May 2023 be the, a year of growing in our delight. <laughs> this gives me joy. I don't always feel it, but it gives me joy. It gives me this calm assurance. This is right. This is good. This is, this is what's going to satisfy me. John Bunyan said, read the Bible and read it again and do not despair of help to understand something of the will and mind of God. Though you think they are fast locked up to you, you can't understand. He says, just keep on reading. He says, neither trouble yourself. Though you may not have commentaries and expositions, pray and read and read and pray. For a little from God is better than a great deal from man. No wonder he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. No wonder God used him to, to write such a wonderful work that is, that is second only to the Bible. Because he captured something, he understood something, he understood something about the Christian life and how to get from being a, a hell-bound sinner to being a heaven-bound saint. And what an amazing thing it is and how God used him. For a little from God is better than a great deal from man. Well, I don't understand the word of God. Read it and read it again. 
Do you have the Holy Spirit within you? Then you have the author right inside your heart. Praise God. He will illuminate it when you ask him, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Well, I want that. I want that. I need that. He delights in the word. And then notice the world that says, if you come our way, if you follow our counsel, if you stand here and consider it, if you sit down and get comfortable with us, we'll give you a thriving life. Satan is a master advertiser. He didn't have Photoshop in the garden or any time since, but boy, I'll tell you, he can, he can advertise really well. And it's smoke and mirrors. Anymore, you don't know whether a picture's been fixed. Satan's been doing that for years, for millennia. Come, listen to us. We'll give you a thriving life. We'll give you satisfaction. We'll give you wealth. We'll give you, we'll give you. But you notice what happens to this man that says, I'm going to listen to the still small voice. I'm going to delight in the word. I'm going to meditate in it. I'm going to muse upon it. I'm going to think upon it. Notice what happens to him. He thrives in this world. Now, why don't you turn over to Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 10. I want us to show, uh, show you something. Titus 2, right after Timothy's, Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Verse number 11. Titus 2 and verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I'm sure I'm grateful that the grace of God appeared to me and appeared to you. It's appeared to all men. That day on Calvary when Jesus was lifted up, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. His grace has resounded through the ages, has resounded through the years. Here's true hope, here's true peace, here's true reconciliation with the Father. The grace of God, it's appeared to all men, it's available to all men. And notice what the grace of God continues to do. It not only brings us to salvation, but verse number 12, it teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, okay, there's the refusing of the world, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, there it is, it, according to God's word, listening to his still small voice, walking in his path, and notice that last phrase, in this present world. Well, I can't live righteous right now, this 2023. Don't you know? No, we were even watching the, the, balls, um, the ball drop in New York City, and they had to, have, uh, had to promote the sodomy and the homosexuality right there on, on the screen. Right? The, the wickedness that is going on in our, in our culture. And by the way, as I just say that, if anyone's watching and, and anyone here, you, you know someone in that lifestyle, God loves them and wants to rescue them. Just like he wants to rescue every single person from sin. To stand against homosexuality is not to hate a person. To stand against it is, is to say, hey, this is going to destroy your life. God loves you and he wants you to himself. If someone, if someone wonders, are they welcome here? Yes, you're welcome here. Hear the word of God. Let's respond to it. Let's follow him. Jesus can change your life. So the world wants us to condone it. The world wants us to go along with it. But listen, they're throwing it in our face constantly. Can we live righteously and godly in this, in this present world? The Bible says, yes, we can. And that's what the grace of God is for, as he takes the word of God and applies it in our lives and helps us to walk in it. Now remember, back in Psalm number one, 
This man is thriving in this world. The grace of God helps us to exist righteously and godly and soberly in this present world. John 17 tells us that Jesus prayed. I'm not praying that you should take them out of the world, but that you should, I'm paraphrasing, protect them as they're in this world. Insulate them, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Set them apart. Help them to thrive in this world. Look at verse number three. It is there. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Yes, right now. In 2023, that can be our reality. That was his reality. That was, as the psalmist observed this man, that was this blessed man's reality. He's just like a tree that just keeps on growing and keeps on bearing and Wow, when everything around him is is drying up, that tree is just beautiful and fruitful. He thrives in this world. The Bible uses here the picture of a tree. Beautiful picture. Strength. Stability. Fruitfulness. (laughs) When we bought our house, we bought it in the winter. 2017. And uh, wow, it had some really tall trees, some 80, 90 foot trees. Leaves were all over that yard. It, it had been on the market for a year, and no one had done anything with the leaves. And they were like, well, Miss Joan, you know what happens. Miss Joan so kindly came and helped us after our vacation to, uh, to clean up some leaves, help the kids. And, and boy, just imagine, uh, imagine it not being taken care of for a whole season not just a few weeks, a whole season. And the trees, the trees weren't very, um, very beautiful at that point. I found out that when springtime came, there were a couple dead trees that needed to come down. So I, as I was reading through this, uh, there were some trees that were, were not, not getting some good nutrients. They weren't rooted really well. They were not flourishing. Now there are some other trees on our property that were flourishing very, very beautifully. And they continue to flourish when the grass gets gets brown when others drop their leaves i have some of those oaks that don't drop and maybe still haven't dropped yet they're still waiting to drop their leaves they're holding on to them they didn't get brown for a real long time you know what i'm talking about those pin oaks here he uses this picture of a a tree full of beauty it's lush it's planted by the rivers of water picturing bearing fruit by the river Now, the ungodly, according to Jeremiah 17 and verse number 5, are are pictured as a bramble, as a thorny bush in the desert. They're not life-giving. They don't bear fruit. They're not useful for anything. They have thorns. They hurt when you get around them. And when it it dries up, it just kind of it kind of blows along, and the, and the, the chaff or the, the leftovers from it, 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 it's not beautiful in any way. Not the, not the tree planted by the river of water. And that's what the blessed man is likened to. The man that delights in God's word, the man that meditates upon God's word, looks like a tree planted by the river of water. Doesn't just look like it, bears fruit like it. Doesn't just look like it, it's stable like it. Notice what he, what he tells us here. He's rooted in the right place. He's rooted in a place where he's going to get nourishment. This blessed man is rooted by the rivers of water, a never-ending flow of 
water and, and, and refreshment for the tree so the tree can do what it, it needs to do. Now, notice this. No matter where you and I are planted in life, no matter what family we've been born into, no matter what geographic location we are, no matter what job place we're in, no matter, no matter what our circumstances are in life, every single one of us can be planted in the word of God, which is a never-ending flow of refreshing living water. No matter where you are. None of us can say, well, you know, I can't be like Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 3. I can't be like this blessed man because I'm in this family. Every one of us have access to putting our roots into what is a never-ending flow of water. In fact, why don't you turn to Revelation chapter number 22 while I remind you of what Jesus said in the great day of the feast. Revelation 22, and I'm going to read from another part of Scripture, John 7 and verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He'll not just be satisfied, but he'll help satisfy others with his wonderful fruit that he bears in every season. Revelation 22, you're there. Look at it, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the, the Lamb. Look down at verse number 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Jesus in the great day of the feast says, hey, I want you to come and I want you to drink of me. Just like the woman at the well, come and drink of my water. And if you drink, you'll never thirst again. It's a refreshing flow of water. It's a, it's a wonderful flow of water. And that is the flow into which the blessed man has tapped his roots. He's put them down deep. He's put them into that flow. He's put them into the word of God, the, the living Christ, the, the living word. And he's put them there and he is growing and bearing fruit because of it. Where are your roots? Where are your roots? To be rooted anywhere other than God's word is setting ourselves up for disaster, especially when the hard times come. You know, we can gather in a place like this. We can gather in one another's homes, around the people of God, and yet have our roots in something other than God's word. Friends, the importance of, of having an inward relationship with God, we don't see roots. If you start seeing roots, typically it's a problem, right? You typically see the roots when, when the tree is falling down, right? We don't see roots. Roots are like our heart. We can walk in and out of this place, sing the songs, open our Bible, talk the talk, but if your roots are in your entertainment, if your roots are in some vice that you just can't seem to break free of, if your roots are in some relationship, friend, when the hard time comes, that's not going to stand the test. You will be like one of those trees. Oh, I look so great. It was always here. It, it looked great. It had a smile on its face. And, and now it's on its side and the roots are up. 
It's rooted in the right place by the river of water where he's going to be refreshed and the nutrients are going to be able to, to flow as it needs and it's going to be able to get what it needs. Listen, if your roots are in the wrong place this morning, if your roots are not in the Word, you say, I look back at 2022 and I, I started out well and I, I, I had a few good times in the year and I have some regrets right now because I, I kind of fell off the bandwagon. Now is the time to correct it. Now, today is the day to get the roots down into the Word of God. Just because you failed in the past doesn't mean you can't walk forward today. What a better time than to say, you know what, by God's grace and with the help of the Holy Spirit, my roots are going to be in the Scriptures. I'm going to ask someone to make me accountable to that. I'm going to ask a brother, sister, hey, would you check on, up on me once in a week and just ask how my Bible reading's going? In fact, we'll talk a little bit about that maybe on Wednesday nights having a, a gathering uh, just ahead of the service just to, to share what we've been learning in the Word of God. Informal. We'll talk about that over the next couple weeks. Friends, it ought not be awkward for us to ask one another, how's your, how's your time in the Word going? You know, as you, as you take that, that card and you, you pray for that person, Maybe that's the person that you just developed that relationship with. Say, hey, I want to check up on you. I want to pray, but I'm going to pray every day specifically that God gives you a refreshing time by the river of water, by the river of the word. I'm going to pray for you specifically about that. Listen, nothing will change the dynamic of our gatherings like each one of us being planted in the river of the word. Being planted in a never-ending flow of spiritual water. Being planted in Jesus Christ. Oh, that that would be the reality in this year. Perhaps it's time to say, Lord, I confess to you I've planted my roots down in some other things. Some things that the world has counseled me that if I just give myself to this entertainment, I'll find joy. And I've found that at the end of that night, I still don't have joy. So Lord, by your grace, would you forgive me? From now on, I'm putting my roots in your word. This guy's planted in the right place. But notice he's fruitful in his season. He bears fruit in a season. The world wants to, tomorrow's fruit today. Doesn't it? We always want it quick. We don't want to go through the process. We want the product without the process. That's what the world has gotten into our minds and, and has infected us with its philosophy. We want the wealth without the work. We want the blessing without the burden. We want the harvest without the storm. I have heard people say, well, I thought God was blessing, and now we're going through this problem. We're going through this storm, and, and, and God must not be blessing. God must not be working anymore. Do you realize between the planting of a seed and the harvest, there's always going to be storms and, and rain? Don't let Satan shake you. He's fruitful in his season. At the right time, as God enables him, he brings forth fruit. He, he brings forth, and at that season, it's amazing, even the word here is the idea that he bears, and he bears, and he bears a continual amount of fruit in his season. You know what the lost man wrongly assumes is that as he looks at the man that's following God's word and saying, hey, I'm more blessed than you. Man, look at what I have. My bills are paid. Yours aren't. Family's taken care of. I don't know. 
My job, I got this promotion, what about you? And he looks at all this and says, hey, I'm good. I'm following, listen, I'm following the, the advice of the, the worldly counselors. I, I'm doing such a great job and I'm having so much blessing and he wrongly assumes that it'll always be that way. Here's a man silently going to his prayer closet, reading the word and saying, God, by your grace, would you help me to put that into practice today? Would you help me to focus on you and not the things around me? God, I need your grace to get through this trial. I don't know how I'm going to get through. I need your grace to get through this trial. I'm coming to your throne of grace. You told me to come. You told me I could ask wisdom. You would give it to me. Help me to walk in your wisdom today. Here's that man quietly doing that, unbeknownst to the world, while he's being ridiculed by the world. And in his season, in his season, when the world falls apart from their decisions, in his season he bears fruit. And he doesn't just bear a little bit of fruit, he bears a lot of fruit in this season. And there's a day coming where the, the man who has quietly gone to the word of God, he's delighted in it and he's meditated upon it, the fruit will be obvious to everyone, including the world. The Bible says, John 15, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. The, a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Accept it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Stay, stay there. Abide in Jesus. Get in the word. Stay in the word day by day. Well, I don't see it making a difference. Listen, there's some things that we do by routine and by habit and because it is right to do that we don't see the difference in the moment. But it's right to do and it pays off and it bears fruit in the long run. Brushing your teeth. Well, I don't need to brush my teeth. Others people say, uh-uh. But you know what? Sometimes we don't always see the benefit other than a, a, a fresh minty smell, right? Uh, we don't always see, but over time, cavities, so on, develop as a result of neglecting what is a good thing. Checking the oil in your car. I remember getting up to Michigan after I just had my just had my car serviced at, at the dealer that I bought it from. This, is, this has been years. And one of those, those lights came on, one of those air codes came on, and I, I called, I, I went to the um, Riley's Auto Parts and had them read the code, and they, uh, they said it's an O2 sensor. I'm like, I don't, what's going on? Like, I don't understand what's going on. I called, I called down to the dealership, and they said, no, that's the code you get when your car is extremely low on oil. Like, it's going to seize up. Well, it turned out to be something that, uh, that the dealer had done, and they ended up replacing the engine and, and yada, yada. But I'll tell you what. I used to hear it from my dad, check your oil. Every time you fill up with gas, check your oil. I found out I should check my oil every time I fill up with gas. Why? Because it pays off in the long run. Being in the Word of God, delighting in it, you might not see the growth right now in this instant. You might not get the fruit right now, right away, when you want it. I'll tell you, when you go through the storm, it'll be evident. In the long run, God's going to show, show that he's given you a strength that the world cannot even imagine. Don't get me wrong, there's many, many immediate blessings to being in the word of God many let us not grow weary in well-doing 
for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Keep delighting in the word. Keep meditating in it. Make it your goal this year. Every day I'll be in the word. Notice he's resilient through difficult times. His leaf also shall not wither. It's not going to shrivel up. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Listen, the righteous man, the man that's delighting in the word of God and meditating in it, he's going to not wither at all through the dry season, through the difficult times when there's no rain for months. He is not going to wither. Why? Because his roots run deep. But the lost man, the man that refuses the word of God, and shall I say, a person that is not walking with God, a carnal Christian, they're going, to find, they're going to find a withering. They're going to find a shriveling up. Now for the lost man, as we've already said, there will be a, there will be a sudden time where God says, okay, enough's enough. That's a sobering thing when you look at Psalm 37 too. And wither as agreement, they're going to be cut down like the grass. And a godly man wrongly assumes and boasts of success in the the good times. I've succeeded. Look at him. He's sacrificed. I've succeeded. No, God says there's a day of withering coming and there's a day of, of health. There's a day of flourishing that is there for the man who delights and meditates in the word of God. He's successful in all he does. It goes on to say there in verse number three, all he puts his hand to, he keeps succeeding. Now we know, notice in the, the life of Joseph, he was sold into slavery. He was bought by Potiphar, yet in Potiphar's house, he succeeded. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And shall I say, he was with the Lord. You don't go through the circumstances of Joseph's life without having a daily communication with God. And so the Lord was with them, and, and then he was falsely accused. He's in prison, and the, the Lord was with them. And then he is, in the, he is in the house of Pharaoh, and, and the Lord was with them there. And all the way along, the Lord continues to be with him. Why? Because he is with, he is with him. Everywhere that Joseph went, he prospered. Became the, he became the prison warden. He became the the chief of Potiphar's house, he became second in command in, in Egypt in this world. He thrived. Now, he doesn't have the blessing that we have today of the completed word of God. Friends, he knew enough about God to walk, uh, walk with him and to communicate with him and to stay close to God through all those times. Think about Joshua. Joshua 1.8 as he's about ready to assume the responsibility of leading the children of Israel and that into the promised land. This book of the law, God told him, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For uh, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. When you meditate on it, put it into practice, there's good success. Successful in all he does. Satan likes to make success all about material blessings. <laughs> There's so much more than material blessings. Listen, there are, there are many, many folks who have all this world can give them, and yet they go home, they're lonely, and they're empty inside. Let's not look at the other side like it's greener. It's not. You can have everything the world has to offer you and still be empty. Hmm. There's only one way to thrive. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 
3 and verse number 14. We touched on this passage on Wednesday night. I want to draw a conclusion here. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So, this know also, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Unraveling times, difficult times, pressured times. So right now is when, in reality, our Christianity is being put to the test. Our roots, our roots, whether our roots are in God's word or in something else, are about ready to be exposed. We see the storm clouds. We see the persecution. Friends, if your roots are in anything other than God's word, it's going to become obvious. Oh, that God would help us to really take this matter very seriously. And I say this to myself. My roots, my roots have to be in the word of God. Deep, just like yours. Notice in these perilous times, what does Timothy, what does Paul tell Timothy that he must do? He, he, he notes, hey, there's a reality. I mean, people are going crazy. They're lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They're pride, they're arrogant, they're boastful, they're disobedient to parents. They, they love riot. Boy, I mean, just reading the newspaper in those first several verses there, it's amazing. But he gets down to verse number 14. After he's talked about false teachers, those that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, he gets down to verse number 14. Timothy, what are you supposed to do? And he says there, read verse 14 out loud with me, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou learned them. Well, who did he learn them from? And that from a child. Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Who did he learn that from? From his mother and grandmother. Well, I'm not making that much of a difference at home. I'm not making that much of a difference in my kid's life. If you're teaching them the word of God, you are. And the long-run fruit of that is going to be amazing. It's going to be something the world cannot, cannot duplicate. The world likes the product of a Christian home. The world does not like the process of a Christian home. Don't let them influence you. Don't let their ideologies and their thought processes change the way that you go about raising a, a, a family and preparing them for life. Get them into the Word. Do you realize our public schools were founded and were based upon the Word of God? That was the number one book in our public schools, how far we have come. We're not the better for it. So Timothy has said, hey, Timothy, what do you do when everything's falling apart, when the, the hard times come? You stay right with the Word of God. You continue there. You maintain your course. You stay rooted in the river of the Word. You stay there, Timothy. And he goes on in verse number 16. Why? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is literally from the very mouth of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, for correcting what is wrong, for correction, making it right, for instruction in righteousness, how to keep it right in your life. It's all good, Timothy. The whole word of God is given by inspiration right from the mouth of God. It's life-giving. Remember in the Garden of Eden? Do you remember when God created man? 
He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Friends, listen, the very God that put breath in your lungs is the very God that wrote out the scripture through holy men of God. It is the very breath of God into your life. It will give you oxygen. It will give you life. It is the blessing in your life. It will give you the life that you need to live. And he says, listen, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's literally breathed out by God. It is what gives true, lasting, real life. Notice verse number 17. That for this purpose that the man of God may be perfect, mature, truly furnished, totally fitted, outfitted to every good work. You go to Cabela's, guys, you get outfitted to camp, outfitted to, outfitted to go hunting. He says the word of God is able to perfectly outfit you for every good work that God has called you to. Sometimes we think about our gifts and think, well, I could, I could never do what that person does. You know what? If God calls you to serve outside of your strength, the word of God can perfectly outfit you to do that. Perfectly. You know that God doesn't just call us to serve in our comfort zones. In fact, very rarely does God let us stay in our comfort zones. He always calls us outside because nothing of eternal value happens inside the comfort zone. It happens outside the comfort zone. Launch out into the deep, Peter. Let down your nets for a draft. Well, I'll, I'll let down my net. And what happens? It breaks. Talk about calling us out of our comfort zone. God is able to use his word to perfectly fit us for that. And so you see the, the life-changing uh, <laughs> The life change that delighting in the word of God and meditating upon it brings to this man, he is going to be far ahead of anyone else in life as he delights and meditates on the word of God. Before we can close, we have to deal with those last three verses just briefly. We have to notice that, yeah, the blessed man makes a choice. Refuse the world. <laughs> Rejoice and delight in the word. He thrives in life. He thrives in this world. But notice the consequence of the ungodly man's decisions. Notice the consequences that come upon him. The pivotal decision, the, the life-changing decision comes in verse number two. The, the godly man, the blessed man, chooses to delight and meditate in the word of God. The ungodly man refuses it. He says no to the word. He says, huh, that was written by men. Has God really said? You can't trust it. It's been corrupted. And, and on and on the, on and on it goes. The pivotal decision is verse number two. The ungodly man's life consequences grow from the decision to disregard the word of God. One man wisely said, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. A lot of times we just throw up excuses. I don't like how it makes me feel. Well, if you change your way, it'll... It'll encourage you. If you bristle against it, it'll, it'll uh, feel pretty prickly. Uh, isn't it hard to kick against a, the pricks? Yeah. The ungodly are not so. They're not like the blessed man. They're rooted differently. Notice in verse number four, they're not so which, they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. They don't have any stability. They're like chaff. Now, chaff, well, it's on around the, 
the kernel, it, it looks pretty good. It looks even a part of the, the food most of the time. It, it, it kind of holds onto the coattails, if you will, but once the chaff is is it's broken from the from the fruit or from the grain it 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 is blown away by the wind it's a pretty amazing thing as you you think about it you see uh, harvest time the the combines going along and they're blowing the chaff right out the back right just the wind's catching it and blowing it away it has no life-giving value at all needs to be separated no life-giving value the wicked the ungodly man that refuses to delight in the word that refuses to accept it, refuses to, to meditate upon it, is just like the chaff, that, that, that part that is not necessary, it does not give nourishment or life to others, just blows away. You know, the lost man, the ungodly man, is one storm away from ruin. One storm. A tree that is not rooted well is one storm, one windstorm away from being exposed. Looks all good until it topples. The chaff, like the chaff which the wind driveth away. That's what they're like. Uh, chaff can look pretty. It can look awesome. It can look wonderful while it's intact. But the moment the wind comes, there's no stability. Psalm 73 and verse 17, David, he is really troubled about the, the lost man's success. He's like, why are they getting away with this? They do wrong things, and yet they seem to succeed. They have it all. And he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, until I went into the place the word of God was opened and communicated and taught, it was there, Psalm 73 and verse 17, it was there I understood their end. It was there I understood what was coming for them. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought down into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. It just seems like overnight. The wind came along and blew them away. Why? No stability. They're not rooted well. They're not rooted in the right place. They're not rooted in the word. What a sobering reality. Looks can be deceiving. Satan loves, Satan loves to make you believe that the world around you is succeeding. True success is when our lives are being operated according to the word of God. We're rooted there, not just as a have to, but I get to. I delight in this. I want it. I need it. This is what satisfies my soul. They have no present stability. The ungodly man, because of the rejection of the word, he has no present stability, but notice he has no future standing. He has no future standing. It says there in verse number five, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. What judgment? Standing before God. They're not going to stand in the, the congregation of the righteous. Why? Because God will separate it out. God knows. Did you notice verse number six? For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. The Lord knows who are his. John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Aren't you thankful for that? He knows. You're not going to get mix, mixed up in the, in, in the judgment and like, oh, well, how did you get here? And God knows exactly which judgment you ought to be at. I'm so thankful. I am thankful that I don't have to be at that great white throne judgment. I can be at the beam of seat of Christ. There's two judgments. You only want to be at one. The one that 
that determines the amount of your reward, not your destination. But there's a day coming where they will stand at that judgment and God will know what to do with them. So I don't like how the lost man just seems, the ungodly in our world just seem to be able to go on and triumph and triumph and triumph. Their day is coming. You keep rooted in the word. You keep following after the word. You make that your focus. Listen, it will make the difference in the long run. And it does have blessing and benefit every day and in this life. Jesus says, no man that's followed after me does not have uh, much blessing. It has houses and lands with persecution, he says. There's many blessings that you get to experience in this life as you follow me. But the, the ungodly man, in that last day of judgment, the terror and the horror of being eternally separated from God for all of eternity, there's no standing. I have no place in the congregation of the righteous. I wish I would have listened. Mm. They've not been justified. They've not been declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ according to Romans 5 and verse 1. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 27, there shall in no wise enter into it heaven anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life, God knows who are his. 2 Timothy 2.19, the Lord knoweth, knoweth them that are his. This stands firm, Paul says. This is an undeniable reality. God knows his own. But he also knows the ungodly, and the way of the ungodly will perish. The wicked man has refused the word, and therefore that's his, that's his end. You that are longing to root yourselves in the word of God. Listen, we don't always do that perfectly. Every day is a new day. So don't get focused on 2022. Focus on January 1st, 2023 by God's grace today. And when I wake up tomorrow, by God's grace tomorrow. I'm going to root myself into the river of the word. I'm going to root myself into the living Christ. I'm going to drink of that living water that flows from his throne. I'm going to imbibe it. I'm going to enjoy it. All the while realizing the lost man, the wicked man's refusal brings him on a very different path. How that ought to encourage our hearts to spread the word even more this year. I was listening to the song Brother Tom sent me yesterday. I was really enjoying it. It's one of my favorites, No More Night. If you've not, if you've not heard it, you ought, to, you ought to look it up. No More Night, there's some choirs that sing it very beautifully. But one of the, one of the verses goes like this. See all around, now the nations bow down to sing. The only sound is praises to Christ our King. What a day that's going to be where all, everyone, symboled gets to praise him in a, in a triumphant choir. Slowly the names from the books are read. I know the king, so there's no need, no need to dread. My favorite line in that song. I know the king, there's no need to dread. Listen, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. He has no standing in that day.
don't let his, his sarcasm, his ridicule, his perceived success deter you from your way. Deter you from rooting in this year. Deter you away from that. Keep on going. Keep delighting in the Word of God. Grow in your delight of the Word of God. Nourish that delight. Meditate upon it. And the fact is, the more that you read and meditate upon the Word, the more you'll fall in love with its author. You can read the Word of God without delighting in it. And if we're honest, every single one of us has done that before. I'm just going to check this off. I've got to get through this. I've got to be a good Christian, you know. I've got to check this off. But you cannot delight in the Word of God without reading it. Friends, for us to delight in the Word of God, it's going to mean that we're going to have a daily interaction with it. That means right now is a great opportunity to make some decisions about that. What does that look like for you? I can't determine that. That's between you and God. I'm going to encourage you in some ways, but ultimately you need to make a choice that you know God is leading you to. What's, what's, how are you going to interact with the word this year? How much are you going to consume this year on a daily basis? You're going to be in it on a daily basis. I think the Lord wants us in it on a daily basis. He says meditate in it day and night. Can't meditate without being in it. George Mueller, if you don't know him, uh, was a a wonderful, godly, faith-filled man of years gone by. He had the, the orphanage in Bristol. And understand that he cared for some 10,000 orphans. Uh, about the first three years after his, his conversion, coming to Christ, he said he didn't give much attention to the Word of God like he ought to have. About three years after, he says he began to read the Bible, began to search it out diligently, and the blessing was just so very wonderful. I've read the Bible through 100 times, he says in his autobiography, and always with increasing delight. Delight. He loved those orphans, and by the end of his life in the 1800s, he had housed, as I said, over 10,000 orphans. Remarkably, throughout his ministry, he made his needs known only to God. His faith was very strong. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mueller's ultimate desire was for destitute boys and girls not just to provide them shelter and food through, though the children were well cared for through his prayers and through the provisions. When sharing his dreams for the ministry to the orphans, he said this, the chief and special end of this institution will be to seek God with God's blessing to bring dear children to the knowledge of Jesus Christ by instructing them in the scriptures. He would read the Bible four times a year. He said he once learned that the first and great primary business to which he ought to attend every day after, after he rose and got ready for the day was to have a happy soul in the Lord. How? He understood that after getting ready in the morning, the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to reading the Word of God and to meditate upon it. If you've not heard of George Mueller, I'd encourage you to find his autobiography on Amazon, order it, and make it your first read for the year. Remember reading it as a teenager. George Mueller was mightily used of God. 
but it goes back to where his roots were. It goes back to where he was planted, in the river of living water, in the river of the word. Through difficult times, the loss of his first wife, the loss of his daughter, and the loss of his second wife, he stayed rooted in the word and made the difference in his life. He knew difficulty. It wasn't all just bliss. He knew difficulty, but it was the word through those difficult times that allowed his leaves not to wither. And they continue to bear fruit in other people's lives, in his own life, continue to bear fruit. And so today, you and I, from the threshold of this year, simply need to make this choice. I'm going to grow in my delight in the word of God. And I'm going to daily meditate upon it. I haven't added anything to God's word in asking you to do that. Delight and meditate. And with simple prayer here, I think we ought to acknowledge that to the Lord, and then I'm going to give you a couple resources and we'll be on our way. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, thank you for this opportunity today to look into your word. And I pray that you'd help us. You know that Satan loves to fight our interaction with your word every day. Lord, it, it, it seems like when we set our minds to being in your word, that's when the noise comes. Oh God, would you help us to be determined to root down. Help me. Help my family. Help my church family. Lord, to be rooted in the river of the word. Delighting in it. Meditating upon it. And in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. With your heads bowed. How many would say, Pastor, God spoke specifically to my heart. I want to put that into practice. I want to grow in my delight. And I want to meditate in it day and night. I want to grow in my delight. And I want to meditate in it day and night. You say with an upraised hand, that's my testimony to the Lord. That's my heart's desire. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But that's my heart's desire. Amen. I believe that's most of our heart's desire here today. I'm just going to encourage you to find a place to pray. Let's stand to our feet. Find a place to pray. Let's find it at the altar here. Kneel down wherever you are. Let's find a place to pray and commit this to the Lord. Talk to him for a moment. He's your heavenly father. Talk to him about it. Feel free to move around, come to the altar, wherever you want to pray. Let's pray.
Amen. Could you be seated just for a moment? Uh, Cliff just wanted to ask you all for prayer um, as he goes through the, the funeral for his brother Mike is being planned tomorrow. Don't know whether it's public or private at this point, uh, but he did die in the, in the past week, and, and that's a very difficult thing that Cliff has gone through. And so Cliff is asking specifically for prayer, for God's strength. He wants to grow in his relationship with the Lord. I know that's the, the prayer of many of our hearts this morning is to grow in our delight and our meditating and that, that inner strength that comes as a result of that. So let's keep him in prayer. Maybe we, uh, let him know about that even after the service. But do be praying over this next, um, this tomorrow especially, as he and his family go through this and that the Lord will be glorified even through that, that difficult time. Um, so out at the table out here, is just a couple of things. Um, I don't want to belabor it. You can look out there. Um, the main thing that I'm presenting to you as a church and encouraging you is if you don't already have something that you specifically, the Lord wants me to do this in my Bible study this year, come along with us on reading through the Bible in one year. Make it, make it a goal. Maybe you've never done it before. Take the challenge, okay? Um, we, this year, last year, we went through it chronologically, read through the Bible in chronological order, according to date order. This year, we're using the one-year Bible, and that is a plan that lays out a passage each day from the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Out there, you see this, this guide that is, that's um, free out there. Pick one of those up. If there's not enough, I believe there will be, uh, let's, we can print more. Um, let, maybe we, we start uh, with, the, uh, with the adults, etc. But we'll print more, and there will be more even available on, on Wednesday night if we need. Uh, so this one lays it out. If there's a checklist for the whole year. It's, there's a few pages in it, but there's a checklist for the whole year. Inside the front two pages, there is an explanation about the, about the reading plan, but there's also an explanation about Scripture journaling. What does that mean? Taking a verse that God sticks out to you during your Bible reading and writing that down in a journal. I try to do that, and I like to use what is called the SOAPS method. The SOAPS method. And inside of that, I preached a message earlier this, um, this past year on that, but inside of it, it, it walks you through what that looks like on a daily basis and gives you an example. I think you all find that uh, to be helpful if you put that into practice. It's just a way to meditate, to hide God's word in your heart, and as you write, it even helps you to memorize and, and so on. And so, theoretically, if you come and do that through, um, through the whole year, you'll have some 356 verses that you've written down and thought upon through the year. It'll only take you a couple of minutes to accomplish. I would say probably uh, seven minutes, and you could accomplish journaling a verse and some thoughts according to the SOAPS method as as given in this, in this book. This is also available. We'll make it available as a PDF um, via email. You can scan a QR code out there if you want, and it'll be available in that way. So there's multiple ways it's available, but I'd love for you to have this, the, a copy of this and to walk through it. You say, well, I'm on the Uversion app, and uh, is there a, a way to do it on there? Yes, the same, the same one-year Bible reading plan is now available starting today, uh, on the Uversion app, so if you already read on there, you can check off the same thing that's inside of that, that, uh, that paper guide. The only thing you'll not have on there is the, on the, the SOAPS method of journaling, but that's how I will be checking off and keeping track, and uh, there's a place 
at the end of each daily reading to write down some of your thoughts and that, that goes with whoever's in this reading group. I want to encourage you to invite friends, coworkers, people into it that may not even be a part of our, our, our church to read along with us. Get them in the Word. Get them in the Word. Now, we are going to always encourage them to read the book of John first, but this is a way to invite people uh, to interact with God's Word. God's Word changes lives, does it not? And so let's, uh, let's be ambassadors for God's Word in this, in this day. So if you're already on the Version app, that is there. It was in last night's email that went out to our congregation. There's a link to, sign, uh, to, uh, to enroll or to connect with this specific Bible reading plan, and you should see other participants from the church um, build over the next couple days. All right, the one-year Bible reading, uh, uh, one-year Bible is a Bible that is broken up according to the daily reading. So it's not like a Bible you bring to church. It's a reading Bible, and it's broken up. So you go to January 1, and it has... Uh, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs broken up for you. They were supposed to be here today. They were told to me that they were delivered yesterday. I don't know where the box um, box is in the whole wide world. Amazon doesn't know where it is, and the United States Post Office doesn't know where it is, and so I don't know. What I have out there is a sheet of paper that explains what that is. If that interests you, you can pay ahead of time. We will get those in this next week, the Lord willing, with the Lord's help. Uh, and, but that's something I wanted to make available. If you say, oh, just skipping all over my Bible, trying to read that way makes it hard. There is a resource out there um, for you, and we, ha- uh, we have that paper out there. Miss Judy will be out at the, um, at the table to explain that. We also have some uh, Grace Baptist Church journals out there. So if you want to pick one of those up to help you in your, uh, your journaling, you can do that as well. Those are $3 out there. There's Glow on devotionals. We're starting to make available for all of our teens. Those are uh, written by youth pastors, pastors from around the, the, um, the, the country. Those are out there. Already gave some out to our teens on Wednesday night. And there's also the Kids Glow that is given out through the Adventure Kids Club. There's also the Kids Journal, Scripture Journaling. The Adventure Kids Club has been Scripture Journaling for a while now. And uh, they've gone through a whole year. And so kids are taking these home week by week. They're writing out God's word. They're interacting with God's word. And so I'm now really encouraging you uh, to do the, undo the same thing. Why? Because delighting in God's word is life-changing. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.